You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Not only are the Canucks open to effectively hearing offers on on Bo Horvat, I, I, I think that's an active process right now. Like, I think they are listening currently, engaged actively in talks. This is an active situation. That initial volley was so outside the ballpark of what the Horvat camp considered respectable that there were a lot of, I don't want to call it hurt feelings, but there was certainly a pretty good amount of frustration there. You know, it's funny. No, wait. Not funny. It's not the right word. Extremely sad. That, those were the words I was looking for, not funny. To be honest, I'm surprised and saddened. Uh, no, not saddened. What's the word? Oh, yes. Delighted. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. A-Dog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. We're back in order I do the Delari thing. You do the Kintech thing. Well, we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Big show ahead on the Halbro Experience on a Tuesday. Guest list begins at 6.30. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN is going to join us. We can whip around the NHL, talk about some of the biggest stories on the ledger. The Board of Governors meetings are on, Jason. Ah, the old bog. I love bog talk. Bog talk is going to explode all over the place. Got to be a better way to say that. I liked, I liked the news that came out yesterday. Like, plenty of interest in the Ottawa Senators. Yep. Oh, really? There are <laughs> 20 bids, apparently. As yeah. many as... T- I didn't... That was actually surprising to me. I, mean, I put a, in a bid. I'm one of them. Yeah, like... Yeah. like it, was eight, how, it was $8. <laughs> how, how good does your bid have to be? I was the fourth be? highest bid. Yeah. To, Money to, printing factory has lots of bids. Just to be shocking. on the list. Like, wow. could you seriously... Could I make a bid today? Like, just get it in under the bog deadline? And what, be 21? What major league team in any of the big four leagues would go up for sale and they'd be like... You know what? There's no interest. Yeah. There's, well, there's nothing. No it is Ottawa. To, it's a sleepy no little an MLS team, no to, maybe? No, I, no, well, they're not you in the four your, major leagues. You shut your mouth, okay? Wearing a Whitecaps hat. You do not speak ill. Uh, I didn't say the Whitecaps specifically. Uh, Greg Wyshynski at 6.30 will join, join us to talk all things uh, NHL. 7.30, Cam Robinson from Elite Prospects is going to join us. We're going to do some prospects talk, but in a sort of bigger, larger sense, Canada's World Juniors roster is set for the upcoming World Juniors in the Maritimes. So we'll talk to him about that, what this tournament's going to look like, who to keep an eye on, et cetera, et cetera. That's coming up at 7.30, 8 o'clock. Uh, you heard his voice in the intro. We couldn't wait to get him back on the air. Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650 is going to join us. Uh, obviously, the news of the day yesterday and probably will be the news of the day today is the Bo Horvat discourse. Uh, it does sound as though there's been some sort of meeting in the road. The fork in the road has been met, and now there's a direction that all parties have to choose as to where this is going to go moving forward. So to recap, 8 o'clock, it's the Drancer. 7.30, Cam Robinson. Uh, 6.30, Greg Wyshynski. World Cup semifinal number one is today at 11 a.m., Argentina and Croatia. Obviously, the Argentinians are favored in that one, but Croatia has gone on another magical run at this World Cup. We'll see if they can continue the magic today at 11. 12, count them, 12 NHL games tonight 
Uh, the Red Hot Leafs have got Anaheim. Edmonton's got Nashville. Uh, Vegas and Winnipeg, which should be an interesting game. Five NBA games as well. So that is what's on the ledger. That's what's happening. Now we need to tell you what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? What happened? Ah, yes. The Bo Horvat discourse. I took off yesterday. It really started in the morning with us and then escalated throughout the day. Uh, the Athletic, and that in particular is Drance and Dollywall, were reporting that the Canucks have made an offer and what might be the final offer, although who's to say, to the team captain and pending unrestricted free agent Bo Horvat. Uh, that offer was rejected by Horvat and his reps from Newport. That includes Pat Morris. So now we are left to say, what happens? Uh, yeah, a bunch of questions. Is this the end of the road? Or with the trade deadline, not until March 3rd. That's a long time. Feels a long time away. A few months. Is there still time? Is this all part of the negotiations? Um, The rejection of the offer by the Horvat camp is that, did the Canucks say this is our final offer? And even if they did say this is our final offer, was it really the final offer? Now, according to what Drance was saying and, and writing about, he doesn't believe that this is negotiation. He doesn't right. believe that this is games. He believes that the Canucks right now are actively talking to other teams about Bo Horvat mm-hmm. and welcoming interest and saying, hey, if you want this guy, come with your best offer right now because we can't go any further uh, with Bo Horvat. Um, this is a question that I think we debated a little bit, but we don't really get into the the contract minutiae, like going around to other players and going like, what's this guy making? Well, is he better or worse than Horvat? You mm-hmm. know, I, I know other, other shows on this station have done it. Um, should Horvat be paid like a one C because that seems to be what he's after. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I certainly don't think so. And I was uh, doing my thing on Twitter yesterday and even confusing some people with what I was tweeting out. I saw that. Um, my initial my initial tweet said something along the lines of, um, "I'm I'm I bristle I bristle you bristle I bristle at the discussion around contracts, especially for centers, when it is seems to be entirely um, like well he's got this many goals or he's got this many points and it's all points based, and I don't think that should be the be all end all for a center." Mm-hmm. It's funny because when I put this out there, a lot of people thought I was um, endorsing Horvat over Miller, right? Like Miller's the point getter and Horvat's the the defensive guy that does all the the dirty work. I was like, no, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm not even talking about Miller. I'm talking about all the goals that Horvat scored this year, which is great. But I think when you're valuing a center, and this is an issue for the Canucks, you have to value more than just point production. Sure. And the point I made was Patrice Bergeron, his career high points is 79. Patrice Bergeron, one of the greatest centers ever. Mm-hmm. Like, he is unbelievable. He does it all. First ballot Hall of Famer. He's never approached winning the Art Ross. And that's not, not going to be his game. But would you take 
Bergeron over Miller? Would you take him over Horvat? Of course you would. Like, that's an obvious slam dunk. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer. The main reason that the Bruins have remained relevant yeah. for, for a long, long time. So when people start talking like, Horvat's a 1C. He does it all. He wins faceoffs. I would say he doesn't do it all. He's he's not a great, he's not great defensively. He's never been a good penalty killer. He's not a good puck distributor. He doesn't pile up the assists. Like he's his his main attributes are his goal scoring, which is very important. Mm-hmm. And that's it. that 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 I think that's his main attribute. Like faceoffs, sure. I don't value faceoffs as as much as as some people do. Some do. For for me, uh, you know, the the idea of especially on this team, the way this team is playing, to lock in Horvat would lock in a lot more. Like they've already, I'm already disagreeing with them locking in JT Miller. Why would I want them to lock in Horvat? I think this team needs a major reset for them to go and pay Horvat you know, whatever he wants or even like the market rate. I don't think they should. Right, and that, but it, I would the only thing I'd push back on is like I don't think whatever the ask rate is now, and according to the Athletic again, that's Drance and Dollywall reporting it out yesterday. They believe that the club, club, get used to that word. Uh, the club tendered Horvat a max term deal that was quote unquote well shy of eight million AAV. Now eight million AAV does appear to be the sort of it's the marker for a lot of different talks within this conversation. If you go around the league right now, this isn't you know, finite numbers I'm going to throw at you, but roughly speaking, if you go to cap friendly and throw up a center filter on the salaries, it's roughly about the top 20 paid centers in the NHL are making 8 million or more. So that's where you would slot in. So the question you asked is a valid one. Do you pay Horvat like a one C the other question would be, do you pay Horvat like a top 20 center in the league? Now, there's some guys that are in there that have gotten contracts from previous work that are kind of at the tail ends. And for example, uh, Ryan Johansson in Nashville is an $8 million a year center, right? In that context, you'd say, yeah, I could see a world where Bo Horvat would be pulling in 8 AAV as well. The question really isn't, what's he worth for me? The question is, at what price can the Canucks keep him on this current roster? And I think it's well shy of that. And I think a lot of this has to do with, obviously, the money that they committed to Miller, the direction they want to go as a team, where they fit in terms of that center position. I know that we've talked about, well, what happens if you keep Miller at the wing and then you lose Horvat? All of a sudden, this great depth that you once had at center no longer exists. Yeah, and and to, you know what I say to that? Figure it out in the next few years well, when you're re- when you're do. no no no, but figure it out in the next few years when you're rebuilding this club. Yeah, that's rebuilding this roster, and that's that's the path that I think. I mean, it seems like when you're going to lock in Miller, you're going to lock in Horvat, and then you're going to pay Petey to the moon, and then you're going to have wait a minute the same team. Oh, exactly the same team that can't win. That to me has been the and then how are you going to fix the defense without trading anyone? That to me has been the obvious approach with this for this organization for a while. I think a lot of people are obviously hung and fair enough. A lot of people are hung up on the fact they like Horvat, the fact he's having a career goal scoring campaign, the fact he's the captain and he's been here for a long time. And I do think, and there's a sentiment coming through in the Dunbar lumber text line as well, which I think is valid. Um, you know, paying the wrong soldier, giving the financial reward to the wrong guy. It's, it's not always going to be as black and white as well. 
there was money allotted to Miller, and that meant that Bo was on the outside looking in and left in the cold. But at the same time, that sentiment does exist. Do you think they should have traded Miller? Yeah, I don't think the whole situation played out uh, the way that they probably envisioned and the way it should have. They should have made the move when they had the chance to well, make. What the do move. you mean they re-signed Miller? They could have traded him. Do you think they should have traded? I him? Just said, yeah, no, they shouldn't. They should. Do you think tra- they should trade Bo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, are you are <laughs> yeah. you are you with me? Hey, we'll bring in the dogs here, uh, Andy and Laddie. Do you guys just? I, I'm not uh, honestly. Just answer honestly. I'm not trying to sway you here. Do you guys just want to see some change? Do you want to see some major oh, change? Oh God, yes. Yeah, like trade are, everybody except Pedersen. Literally. Yeah. Well, and Hughes, Demko, you could throw in there as well, sure. But Pedersen specifically, I right. wouldn't want him moved. Other than Petey, though, I would be fine with him trading anybody. Mm-hmm. Literally just blow it up, start over. What they have now is obviously not working, and it won't work long term. I actually find it um, shocking how loyal, first of all, the Canucks have been in a lot of cases to players and to a core that hasn't done anything. And then I guess the fan base, I'm a little less shocked because some people, there are going to be people like, I've got a Horvat jersey, or like I like Horvat, or some people will be like, I like JT Miller. I like I like the way he plays. I like the passion. I like that he's you know emo- he shows emotion out there, and 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 people will say like if Horvat showed the emotion of Miller, he might be a better player, et cetera, et cetera. So I get that there are always going to be people that push back on trades because they like that individual player. Sure, you have a connection to the player. It's what I'm what I'm what what I'm coming down to, and feel free to disagree with me. It's, and uh, I'm not going to parse words here. I do not believe in this core. Yeah, that's fine. I don't think this group is good enough to win a Stanley Cup. No. Right? So switch it out. Yes. Don't Please. be afraid to make changes. Mm-hmm. You know, people are like, you know, like, I, wh- where will this team like be in, in five years? Hopefully with a bunch of new players. And most importantly, don't waste Patterson's best years. Like, figure it out while Petey's in his prime. Well, I'm a big you don't, don't figure guy. it out when Petey's 32. Figure it out while Pedersen's in his prime. Use your best asset to the best ability that you can right. and make the moves now. I'm don't, a big believer, though, you guys, that your core players, the ones that are performing well, even though the team isn't doing well, they're usually not the problem. <laughs> the guys at the top, guys like Horvat, guys that are producing, you don't necessarily need to change those guys out. You, do you agree with the better bottom six that this team would be a little bit more successful? I disagree with you uh, on that a, a little bit because I don't believe that the current core of players is capable of winning a Stanley Cup. Okay, that's your core belief, then that's that's fine. Yeah, like yeah. I, I, I don't disagree with you that they're not... <laughs> just, I'm just speaking generally, your problem isn't usually the guys at the top that are doing well. It's, Tr- it's everything. True, else. true. Um, like the money they've allocated to Myers and OEL is a major issue. The yeah. fact that they haven't been able to draft enough defensemen is a major issue. Their bottom six, yeah, it's it's not great, right? Yeah. Or it hasn't been for a while. But I'm always talking here about the bar to reach a Stanley Cup final, and the Canucks made it there, and they had three Hall of Famers, and they still couldn't get it done. Like that's what you need. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I think we need to remember that bar and not be afraid to go, hey, are these guys good players? Mm-hmm. Are they great players? And then be be willing to say, you know what, they're good players, but let's have a debate about whether or not they're great players. Yeah, no, that's fair. Great players win the Stanley right. Cup. Good players can get you to the playoffs, maybe. And I think after nine was it nine seasons and six hundred games as a Canuck, you've got more than enough of a sample size to make the assessment that you did. 
with Horvat. Like, I, I'm not disagreeing with that in the slice. It's almost like I – here's, I guess, what I was trying to make the point of earlier is I do think at a certain level that he was kind of hard done by and is and the end is going to be rather unceremonious, unfortunately. Yep, yep. Like, I think mm-hmm. when he like, – here's the thing. If we're gonna but maybe put, he's going to go and win a Stanley Cup somewhere else. And, that's and, fine, you know? but that's not the Vancouver chapter. That's nope. the Horvat chapter. His career in Vancouver, I mean, if you want to take a really caustic look at it from tip to tail, he came on board highly regarded, but he also came on board at a time where the team was going through some sort of transition. And quite frankly, the leadership groups that he has served under, I'm talking mostly management, haven't done a great job in supplying him with a lot of talent to be around. He's been super durable. He shows up. He wore the C. He's having a great, like, you know, he's gotten better in terms of goal scoring near the end of his career. But the end of his, if this is the end of his time in Vancouver, now, don't, now, a little asterisk here. Um, I definitely thought that the ship had sailed on a JT Miller extension and then boom, it gets dropped right before a holiday weekend. So anything is possible with this management group. But if this is indeed the sort of beginning of the end and they've queued up good riddance on the CD player and, you know, it's going to go here at some point mm-hmm. on Horvat's time in Vancouver. I would say that there's going to be, one, a feeling that something was left on the table, and two, a sense of disappointment. I remember, remember when we had him on the show, and he had hit 500 games? Yes. And he kind of had we, this, And we rattled him. Yeah, he had this existential <laughs> crisis on the air. He was like, oh, man, I've been doing this for a while. And the other quote I, I really remember was when they were in the dog days at, like, 2016, 2017, 2018. And he was front and center on this team, and they were losing a lot. And he said, like, it's actually keeping me up at night because we lose so much. Mm -hmm. Those years were ages 21, 22, and 23 for the guy. So those aren't your prime, but those are years where you've been in the league for a while. You've had a little bit of success in his rookie year when they went to the playoffs, and you're so far from it. And to me, that's a disappointment. Now, putting that conversation aside, this is business. And you can't get hung up on an emotional attachment or what you feel you may have owed the guy for past efforts. Right now, the Canucks have a number that they could probably max him out at. And it's well short, I would say, of what he's probably going to get in free agency. Because if you look around the league with the cap going up, I would not be surprised if there's a team that comes forward and can give him $8 million or north a year. Do I think that he's worth it? I don't know. Right? There's a lot of guys that are overpaid in this league. Then a lot of guys that get a bag from somebody, and you kind of pat them on the back. You're like, "Good job, congratulations! Yeah. You made a lot of money." Like Ryan Johansson's one, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he's not a one C in anybody's mind. I don't think he used to be, right? He's getting paid like one now, and he's going to get paid like one. But for he the was at the future. lower. He was the lower end of the one Cs. I would say. Yeah. Um, do you think he still wants to stay? You just ran down the the history it's of Bo Horvat. It's a great question in Vancouver, and uh, we often discuss these contract negotiations, like. How much is the team willing? How far is the team willing to go? In some ways, I wonder if there's any place the team could go. Right. I mean, you know, six trillion billion dollars. Sure, Bo might. It's a lot. Bo might say yes, but he'd probably it, say yes. They probably have cap issues if they did that, though. With a billion million. With the trillion billion. billion. Uh, I think the NHL would push back on that. <laughs> yeah, sirs. Like, I know you're trying to sign somebody for a trillion. They can actually billion. be like, uh, it's backloaded. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's not a real number. No, no, no. Uh, it this is, is somehow worse no, than the no, Luongo no. deal. I don't. <laughs> but um, I, I just wonder if um, something turned in the last year or so. Something turned when Miller got paid and Besser got paid and um, Horvat was sitting there going, uh, "Hello." 
I'm the captain. Maybe this new management group doesn't value me like the old management group does. Don't forget, it was a long time ago that Bo Horvat was drafted. Bo Horvat was drafted by Mike Gillis, right? Well, like, I, yeah. It was a long time ago. Maybe this new management group came in and said, oh, we'll give you an offer. It'll be a somewhat respectable offer, but you may not feel it's respectable. And this new management group probably came in and said, we got to play some hardball with certain players that maybe we don't believe in 100%. Now, it all makes it kind of weird that JT Miller was the guy that they ended up paying in all this. Yep. Um, but not con- I guess not considering the way he played last season and not all the points he put up. But I really do wonder if Horvat has just changed his mind in the last little bit and said, you know, it would have to be a hell of a number now for me to stay in Vancouver. And I don't want to hear hometown discount. I don't want to hear that. And frankly, I feel a little bit disrespected. Do we have some Frank Valley audio about the initial offer that the Canucks came in? And I don't know if Frank talks about how Bo Horvat feels, but we'll talk about it after we hear from Frank. The offer in the summer, the initial one that they first made, was exactly the Ryan Nugent Hopkins contract, eight times 5.125. I don't know how far the gap has been bridged because I don't know the specifics of the number. My guess is it's, you know, with the way Bo Horvat has played, there's, there's, it's undeniable mm-hmm. that not only was that offer, it's, this is a pretty common tactic, so I'm not slamming the Canucks in any way that a lot of times teams throw out low ball offers all the time. They figure our offers here, your offer is going to be way up here. You know, your, your ask is going to be, you know, whatever, call the number nine, nine and a half. And we're going to somehow find a way to meet in the middle. And this is the initial normal dance that team and player does with something. But I think that initial volley was so outside the ballpark of what, the Horvat camp considered respectable that there were a lot of, I don't want to call it hurt feelings, but there was certainly uh, a pretty good amount of frustration there um, with that. And so whether that next number started with a six, a seven, whatever it is, needless to say, it's, it's nothing that gets them excited. So we got a text in here. Uh, loyalty doesn't have to be a thing, but smart hockey men have to realize how hard it is to get a guy to score at this pace on a regular basis and have a good heart and be a good dude. He would spend a lot of time trying to find or draft a guy of this caliber. Why bother when you actually have them now? It's a good question. And I think it's something that the Canucks have considered. Mm -hmm. But I think if I look at this team right now and I look at their roster and I look at the ages of the players and where they are in their hockey lives and the contracts that they've got, they got too many guys that they're paying prime UFA years for, yep. right? Prime UFA years. Now, it's not Bo Horvat's fault that the Canucks traded for OEL or signed um, Tyler Myers or you know Brock Besser currently isn't um, even close to providing the value that his cap hit suggests he should. Um, but I think, and again, I really want to hear from management at some point soon. Cause I want to know if their, their philosophy has changed, but I just look at this team and go, number one, this is not a good team, mm-hmm. right? It's not, 
I don't think if, – if you make the argument that it's a good team, then we probably don't even have a discussion because that's where it starts. This is not a good team. There's too many players getting paid too much money, and it has to be reset. Now, one of the reasons why Bo Horvat, you, you go, okay, we're going to trade you, is to get something that can jumpstart whatever you have coming up next. Mm-hmm. People always say, well, trade – Myers or trade OEL. I've, we've got texts in here all the time. It's like, why don't they trade OEL? Uh, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. Like, they're stuck with that. It would cost so much for them to move. So if you want to, if you want to move forward as an organization and if you don't want to lock into mediocrity, yep. which is what this group has, you have to take some chances and you have to move some guys. Yeah, that's no, it's, just the reality of it. I mean, to be perfectly honest, it's not the really, Avs moved some pretty good players, and they won the Stanley Cup recently. It's a conceptual approach. It's almost got less to do with the individual players as it does with the entire organic movement to change things over. Uh, uh, on the surface, what the texter is saying, a lot of it makes sense. Uh, you know, guy that scores at this pace on a regular basis has a good heart, has a good dude. That's the Horvat fits that model a hundred percent. But as to what Jason's saying, here's the thing. You might have already got the best that he's ever going to have in the NHL. That's very fair to say. He had 31 goals last year. He's got a chance to score 40 this year. He's also going to be 28 in April. So are you willing to bank a ton of term and a ton of money and pay, as Jason pointed out, prime, prime prices for a guy that may have already given you the best that he's got? And that's what makes the Miller thing so confounding as well. You might have had the best production that Miller's ever had last year. It might be a downward curve. And if that's the case, then it really is very befuddling as to why the commitment was made to Miller. And if it's not, why it wasn't made to Horvath. And I would love to hear from management as well. But I don't think we're going to in the, in the, in the, in the immediate future. I got a feeling that they might have some irons in the fire right now. And I guess we'll see what happens moving forward. Speaking about moving forward on this show, coming up on the other side, uh, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN is going to join us. We'll whip around the NHL, talk about the big stories of the day and of the week. Uh, Get your what we learns in now. I'll do an early call for them because I completely forgot to do it yesterday. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. It is the Smalt alternative. What did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? Let us know. Text 650-650 and hashtag it WWL. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. I'm not going to parse words here. I do not believe in this core. Oh, you. Oh, God. Choking on my own rage here. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol. 6.33 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. That music can only mean one thing. It is time now for our good friend Greg Wyshynski from ESPN here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Wish? How are you? Greetings from uh, Palm Beach, Florida, home of the Board of Governors meeting. Ah, yes, the bog. One of our favorite times of the year. Bog talk. What was the big? What was? The, what were some of the talking points from day one? Of I just want to keep saying bog. To be honest, um, I know that the salary cap was kind of put 
uh, on the table for today. So day one, in, informally, um, I know that international competition came up a little bit. What was sort of the big talking points from day one from down there? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's about it. A lot of the, the meteor stuff is going to be today, including, like you said, the salary cap, including the Ottawa Senators sale update, um, you know, maybe a little bit of discussion about uh, the Calgary Flames arena situation, which still bears watching. Um, but that's, that's the heavy stuff today, and a, and a lot of hockey operations stuff, too. I mean, you should hear from player safety today. You should hear from the rules today. It's kind of reverse. They usually get done with this stuff on day one, they can all hit their private jets uh, pretty early on day two, um, but for whatever reason, it was it was flipped. Yesterday was a lot of TV stuff. Jimmy Pitaro was there. Didn't get a chance to say hi. Uh, <laughs> he's my boss. And uh, and then uh, Sportsnet and Turner were there. And I was talking with Ted Leonsis uh, after uh, the session, and he made mention of the fact that every all three networks opened their um, presentations with either an image or highlights of Alex Ovechkin, which I thought was kind of kind of interesting right because the chase is on now and i know leonsis was talking about that a bit i do want to circle back onto the international competition i guess from your perspective it's um equally important as a rights holder i imagine that turner and espn have to be watching this and saying like when are we going to get one of these things because i would assume that that would be another asset for both broadcast parties uh to play with and i guess february 2025 is the very loose plan is laid out by bill daly yeah, I mean, one one year later than was previously anticipated um, because they just need more runway to get the logistics down, to figure out how they're going to maybe hold preliminary rounds overseas. I think there's a, there's a huge appetite to actually hold games in Europe um, based on the crowds they've seen for the um, their European tour games and the ticket prices that they've been able to establish. So, um, And I think that's great. I mean, you know, in watching the FIFA World Cup, you really get a sense of, the difference between a tournament held by the NHL and the NHLPA versus what truly feels like, you know, a full international tournament. And so the more you can make this feel like, oh, maybe Italy has a chance to play in the World Cup of Hockey, like the more you can do that kind of thing, I think the more it's going to really feel like a special tournament versus just being another platform for NHL stars to apply their trade. You got, you got to make it feel like it's a global happening versus what we saw in the previous incarnation in, uh, in 2016. Okay, you opened the door for the Ovechkin conversation here, and I know you got a piece up on ESPN.com right now. Uh, it's the, the genesis of it is that the Caps might get younger next year, but they won't, quote-unquote, rebuild, go to that full rebuild, as long as Ovi is still chasing Gretzky's NHL goal records, which is an interesting conversation because we've had it in the past, saying, you know, at what point do you kind of sacrifice the team goals for the singular objective goals of an individual but i guess they've made that decision in washington ted leonsis as well it's less a decision as it is a promise that they made to alex in oh, him okay. signing a new five-year deal and it's a, it's a really weird place to be obviously the capitals would be much better rebuilding in the next five years i mean they're old they're the second oldest team in the league uh they have a, a t- they have 10 players under contract for next season that's it they have one one defenseman <laughs> under contract for next season. That's the kind of turnover of roster that you have when you decide to maybe tank it for a year or maybe go in a really, really different direction with a bunch of younger guys. Like, there's a, there's a ton of reason to do it in the next five years just because of how this group is going to obviously transition out of being a contender if they haven't already. But 
in their negotiation with Ovechkin to bring him back for five years in, in the hopes that he breaks the Gretzky record as a capital, they promised them that we're, they're going to stay competitive. You know, they're going to be a team that, that contends for the playoffs, a team that contends for the Stanley Cup. And the, 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 the bargain that they made, as I wrote about yesterday, is kind of, you know, Ovechkin's chances of breaking this record greatly increase with a competitive team around him. Yep. Um, not only his line mates, but also other lines that can draw tough defensive assignments. He has no desire to be a guy who plays in the third line and chi- chimes in occasionally on the power play. He wants to be a top-line player on a competitive team. It's the thing that bought him back, and it's the thing that he thinks is going to help him break the record. And, you know, this guy's made more money than could be calculated for this franchise in his run, and he's a special case where maybe you even consider the best thing for the franchise may not necessarily be the thing that you should do. Uh, I thought it, w- it, it was a good piece, by the way, and I thought it was interesting when Leonsis said, quote, I'm not going to do what I did last time and, tra- <laughs> and trade everybody because while they were awful and completely bottomed out, when he did that last time, that's essentially what got them the first overall pick in Ovechkin in the first place. So there's proof of concept that it actually does work, but he's not willing to go down that road. You, you and I are of the same mind. Like, he said that to me, and I was standing right in front of him. I'm like, but that's how you ended up with Alex. <laughs> Don't you see, Ted? Don't you see? Yeah, it, it is It is. A, it is the most circular of circular logic. Um, no, I mean, that, it's a really good point, but it's just not something that they're going to do. And, and, and it's interesting to see what Caps fans think of this. I mean, I, I think in knowing a good number of them having lived in D.C. for as long as I have, a lot of them are probably going to be okay with this idea of this of the team being a scratching claw bubble team at best, maybe, and being a vessel for Ovechkin to set this record. Because let's, I mean, let's face it, man, that that guy is is the most important figure in the history of DC sports. He revitalized that franchise. He bought them a Stanley Cup for the first time. Um, he's he's a megastar of megastars, and at the end of the day, the, the Capitals. Um, might have the leading goal scorer of all time, you know, in their sweater. One other thing on the Onsis I thought was interesting, when we were talking about the Gretzky record, the record he actually thinks won't be broken mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, even if, if Ovechkin passes Gretzky, is Ovechkin scoring all these goals with one team. It really is remarkable, like, to have done this. I mean, Gretzky obviously split his time with a few places. Gordy Howe, who Ovechkin passed to earn this record in November, did most of it with the Red Wings. Um, it's a it's a really really um, important record to Leonsis that Ovechkin has done all this and will continue to do this as a capital. Could you make the argument that no player has done more for franchise value than Alex Ovechkin has done for the Washington Capitals? The only guy I can think of is there's two guys when um, when Gretzky went to LA that transformed the franchise in a way that, I mean, like, it, it, I mean, not only transformed the franchise and then planted the seed to grow other teams in California. Yeah. Like, it's, that, is, that is palpably one of the most important transactions in sports history. I'd also probably put Mario on that list, um, not only for the success the Penguins had with him on the roster, but obviously, like, his influence within the organization to get new arenas built and to save the team from bankruptcy and, and, uh, and relocation. Um, that thing too, but but Ovechkin's on that level. I mean, the, to turn that 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 fan base, that franchise, from being a niche sport in Washington D.C. to having the enthusiasm in the fan base that would be akin to what you see at a Duke University men's basketball game, yeah. and and to sell the merch that they've sold, and and to be the iconic figure 
that he's become um, to really just like bring people to hockey in that area. It's yeah, there's few parallels you can draw. I just remember when the Capitals made it to the Stanley Cup final against the Red Wings all those years back, and the arena was half full of Red Wings fan, Red Wings fans, and it was like <laughs> you know, like it, it, the Capitals fans were, you know, they were into it, obviously, but I just can't imagine that happening where another team would invade your arena in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, you know, like that, it's it's just completely different. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Bo Horvat because we're talking a lot about him uh, right now. The most recent news is that the Canucks made him an offer and he rejected that offer. And now there's still a few months to go until the trade deadline, so maybe they could revisit. We've heard teams go, "This is our final offer," before, and then somehow magically they come up with another offer, but. Right now, if you were to pick an obvious destination for Horvat, can you can you pick a, can you pick one? Yeah, Colorado. Yeah, I mean they're, they're they're the team most in need of a second line center. Um, you know, I I, I think it'll probably break Jonathan Taves' heart <laughs> if Horvat goes there because I think that's the place that Taves would wave for immediately is to go play in Colorado, but. I mean, they're, they're a team that, that clearly has not found a replacement for, for Nazem Kadri. Um, Horvat is, you know, I think has a different skill set than Kadri does. But I also I think essentially what you're looking for is a veteran player to um, you can count on to create a palpable second line to take the heat off the McKinnon line. And I think Bo could do that. Um, they've got, you know, still a slew of prospects and futures. If that's what the, the Canucks are looking for, I don't think they necessarily – would have to take any money, a lot of money back, um, you know, outside of what they would need to make this happen. It's not like they've got like toxic contracts in that roster. I mean, it's one of the most well-managed teams from a cap perspective in the league. So um, that would be the, 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 the primary destination. I think it's, it's, it's the easiest match to make. And um, as far as like assets coming back the other way, I think it probably would be a vein that the uh, Canucks would be wise to tap because the uh, Avalanche have a lot to offer. Do you think the Avs would see him as a rental, or do you think they try and negotiate some sort of extension before the deal was made? No, I, I, I don't know, because, you know, I, I still think that it got a lot of faith in Alex Newhook becoming something. I, he, he wasn't ready for the gig yet, and, and that happens. I mean, look at Marco Rossi with the Minnesota Wild, like, just wasn't ready for the gig. I think they aren't going to, you know, cut bait with him. I don't, I don't think that, you know, Colorado would want a Horvat in that spot for seven or eight years, you know, blocking what could be a really good young player at a much lower price point. Um, but you also have to remember about, and, and speaking of price points, you also have to remember about how <laughs> the avalanche cap situation is going to change pretty dramatically when that McKinnon contract kicks in. Um, so it's, it'll be interesting to see what their approach is. But I, I've long thought that both Bo, if he goes, and Patrick Kane, if he goes, uh, aren't necessarily going to sign with the teams that acquire them at the trade deadline, just because of of the cap situation being what it is um, around the league right now. I mean, it just, I, I feel like whoever acquires them is probably going to be pretty loaded anyway because <laughs> they're a contending team. Is there um, any talk or sense of frustration at <clears throat> the flat cap um, at the Board of Governors meetings that I, I know are, are the GMs? The GMs don't go to that, do they? There are some GMs. Okay. Doug Armstrong's here, Bill Armstrong's here, other guys not named Armstrong, I think, are here too. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> No, they're here too. No, there's, there's, uh, in, in the conversations I've had, you know, casually around this thing yesterday, there's a ton of frustration about right. the, the, the works being gummed up by the cap. I mean, there's, 
there's been no movement, I mean, at all uh, amongst uh, the contending teams and teams that are rebuilding as far as making transactions at this point in the season. It's, it's deathly quiet. And, and, and the reason is the salary cap. Nobody, nobody wants to make a move because, well, first of all, no one can make a move because they, they can't because of the cap. And also no one wants to make a move that is going to maybe preclude them from doing something down the line because they've already kind of committed themselves to making a deal. And sometimes that can work. We've seen early trades um, around this time really work out for teams to get ahead of, of the, the deadline and the crazy price gouging that happens there. Um, but at this point, the teams that would be looking to make a move and acquire a player, I think, are the ones that are, are just capped out. How tough does it make contract negotiations? Because you've got teams going, oh, we got this flat cap and we don't know how, we don't know how the salary cap is going to grow. And, and the players are going, yeah, but it's going to grow. It's going to grow, so don't pay me for what's happening right now. Pay me for what's going to happen down the line. No, I mean, that's, but that's just part of the normal negotiation. I think all the contracts that have been signed in the last year um, have been made knowing that the cap would probably go up because we made it through COVID and, and, and revenues you know, grew back to where they should be and, and there's been a nice recovery. And, and I feel like you know, teams pushed forward and players pushed forward with, with negotiations with that understanding but i mean what you described though is life under the cap i mean this is why this is why we have one we have one so teams can come to their best players and and like may culpa may culpa we we cannot pay you any of the money that you want we're so strapped against this cap if you want this team to be competitive if you've got love in your heart for this franchise <laughs> you'll take the hometown discount in order to help us out of this impoverished state that we're in because we decided to give a third liner you know, five over five, you know, so it's like, it's always been like that in this dumb league. And, and again, the worst thing that they ever did was the cap. Um, they should have gone to a luxury tax. It would, it would have made a hell of a lot more sense. And it certainly would have made a lot of the players that are currently carrying the torch for this league. That's making money hand over fist, uh, the money that they're worth versus having depressed, uh, 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 uh salaries based versus their, their peers in other sports. Could you see any situation down the line? I'm talking 10, 20 years where we do go to a, a luxury tax, or is this locked in forever now? It's it's locked in forever now for for two reasons. One, Gary Bettman is never leaving the job, and as long as he's there, there'll be a cap. He's he's like going to be an emperor Palpatine. He's going to find a way to survive <laughs> and be there forever. And then the other thing is that the overturning the salary cap would mean the kind of commitment to. Um, to labor that the don't have. Um, you can't get them all on the same page on a lot of things outside of the Olympics, I guess. And it would take yeah. them banding together as yeah. a union and putting things on the table, like sitting out a season to get the owners to agree to over the salary cap. Um, because the salary cap has done good things for the league. It's done good things for the owners. It's, it's, it's maintained the mirage of competitive balance. Um, it's punished the best teams and, and the best franchises who do things correctly, but then can't afford to keep their team because of the cap. Um, which is why we don't have like New England Patriots type runs. We only have a few, you know, years of dominance from teams. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I don't. I don't think that they they have a the the, the spine for it, for lack of a better term. And, and B, um, it's like herding cats, man. Like all. The fourth liner has a whole different perspective on sitting out a season than Nathan McKinnon does. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like it's really hard to get everybody on the same page to fight for something like that when at the end of the day a luxury tax 
will benefit all, but, but mostly benefit the, the higher end players who will now, you know, make their mega salaries versus what they make now. And, and there will never be enough of a, of a push from the big clubs, even some clubs that might be frustrated that, that they can't outspend the other teams in the league and, and buy championships for lack of better way of saying it. There, there's never going to be enough owners that get frustrated with being unwilling to be or being unable to be as, as aggressive as they want to be. Yeah, of course. There's a, a, what, like a three quarters of the league or have nots <laughs> just sit there and, yeah, and that's hope, what I'm saying. Hope yeah. The, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Hope that the salary cap chokes off the best teams and, and forces them to break up their rosters so mm-hmm. they can get what falls from the tree. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, it's obvious that, and then on top of that, you know, the have nots don't have to spend the money that the haves do because they know inherently the salary cap will keep things just close enough to make it seem like every team is competitive, even if it's it's rare that one of those um, bubble teams ever breaks through to actually do something of, of, of consequence in the playoffs. Yeah, the system the system the system really works for the owners, man. It really does. And and again, like I, I don't like the salary cap. I, I, I feel like there was a better system and I really feel like it does punish teams that do it right and it, and it certainly does not pay the players what they what they should earn um but there's no denying that it's also benefited uh the dispersal of talent and it certainly benefited um the economic stability of the league at a time when it needed it and and i, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the investment of ownership that we've seen in this league has come at a time uh after there's been price control yeah. so you know there's 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 some benefit to the salary cap. I just don't think that it would have been, would have been the system that I would have picked. Well, it's hilarious that the Board of Governors meetings, now that everything's back on the regular schedule, it always runs up against uh, MLB free agency, where the, the Rangers are like, ah, we'll take a risk on DeGrom. Here's $185 million. We know that you're constantly hurt, <laughs> but it's okay because we can spend and we can do whatever. And, you know, I was funny. I don't want to talk up the, uh, the opponents here, but I was watching the TSN panel and they were talking about what Connor McDavid's contract would look like in an uncapped MLB style economy and it was it's comical because there would be no amount of money that's too much he'd be making more than Aaron Judge whatever the 360 million that he got but that's Bettman's legacy now is he brought this hard cap in he won he got it and it's never going anywhere and I mentioned that because this is also the 30th anniversary now of him uh, coming aboard as commissioner, if I'm not mistaken, this is the same like boardroom where he was announced 30 years ago, yeah. or the board of governors meeting is going on. How much of the conversation is the sort of retrospective, looking at the last 30 years of the Bettman regime, and then God, maybe another 30 years? Because I agree with you, I don't think he's ever leaving that job. They held, they literally held a surprise party for him yesterday at the, at the meeting. Like Aww. he walked in, and they had, a, they had, I don't know, I joked, I joked with somebody uh, yesterday. You know, was there a cake? And they're like, no, there wasn't a cake. I'm like, good, because like I imagine the Coyotes probably get a larger slice of the pie than the Leafs do <laughs> through uh, through revenue sharing. But um, yeah, there's been a huge sort of celebration of, of of his tenure as commissioner. And and the two things that I've I've talked about with people here that I, I about Batman. One is the succession plan if he ever does decide to leave. And I don't necess- I've never really thought it, it'll end up being Bill Daly. As much as I like Bill, I I feel like they're they're going to go maybe in a different direction and. And the, and the anniversary of him being hired reminds me that they went completely outside the sport to yep. find him. He was an NBA guy, which yep. is kind of amazing to think back on. So maybe, you know, that's what they end up doing again is going outside of hockey to find someone to run the NHL. And then the other thing is, 
I've talked to a few people, as I always do with these things, about playoff expansion and how nonsensical it is that we have 32 teams and only half the league makes the cut. And they all come back to the same thing, which is that even if we wanted it, even if there was logic, even if every other sport has expanded their postseason to financial windfalls, it'll never happen on Gary Bettman's watch. He's got a traditional streak that I think has always been a little bit underrated, especially for my friends in Canada. Mm -hmm. He's the guy that never wanted to legislate fighting out of the game. He's the guy that uh, you know still gets criticism for his stance on, on, on hard checks and head injuries. And he's the guy that, uh, that has steadfastly stood against um, expanding the Stanley Cup playoffs beyond 16 teams and the, and the tournament format that we have now. Greg, this was awesome, bud. As always, thanks a lot for doing this. Enjoy the rest of the bog. We will do this again next week. <laughs> Anytime. Thanks for having me. Thanks. See you, Wish. Uh, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, I was trying to do some more broad-based research for the show today because I know that we were going to go heavy on the Horvat thing. And I'm like, what's going on at the Board of Governors meetings? And a lot of the takeaways were about, well, one was Ovechkin because of Leonsis's comments. Yeah. But the other one was Batman because there was this celebratory nature of his 30th year in charge. Mm -hmm. And then everyone kind of, the inevitable thing is like, well, he's been doing this for 30 years. How much longer could he possibly do it? And the answer was probably another 30 years. Like, there's no... Well, su- I don't know about that. You know what I mean, though. There's no yeah. succession plan, really. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone... I mean, we've had very cursory conversations. I mean, we had it back when we were covering the league at NBC. Like, what is... Who is the next when pr- When Pratt would predict that this is the last year for Batman, he'll be gone. Right, and we were like, oh, let's that was, lap that up. Yeah, no. That it, was a decade ago. Yeah, and he's still <laughs> doing it, and he's yeah. still going strong. I don't... I'd be very curious... <laughs> Even in the most like speculative sense, if there was someone or an insider that had even an inkling of where it goes, I'd be fascinated to know because I, for the longest time, was like, wish. I'm like, I think it might be Bill Daly. Well, it's not going to be now. But it's not going to be Bill Daly no. now. He's the same as Batman. Yeah. You know? He's been there forever. It would be like, you know. No, you hire some, some look, go back and look at the pictures of Gary Batman. Oh, yeah. In 1993, he was the first pop. He was like he was like a little kid out there. He yeah. was like he was Andy. He was Andy, you know, like maybe you could be commissioner. Maybe was, I can. <laughs> uh, you can't. Uh, no, no, I think I could do it. Lots more coming up on the Halford and Bruff show. You can't on uh, the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Cam Robinson's going to join us at 7:30 to talk. Briefly about the uh, World Juniors and Canada's roster, um, when you look at Canada's roster with some of the young players that they've got and a bunch of re- returnees, um, I think they'll be pretty heavy favorites to repeat as gold medal winners, but maybe Cam disagrees with that. And the Drancer at 8 o'clock, we'll talk to him about the Bo Horvat situation and ask him where he thinks this will play out. Uh, we've got some time to go into the Dunbar Lumber text line in the next segment, so if you've got any comments or questions, text them in right now, 650-650. It is the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.